0: What's up, church? How you guys doing this morning? All right, good, good, good. Well, we are in our series called Family Hacks, where we are talking about family. And family is messy, right? We all understand that. You might love your family. You might care about your family, all about your family, miss your family, want to be with your family. You might, you might be all about your family... But you know that your family's not perfect. I mean, you are 100% aware that some people in your family, they got their issues, and you know exactly what their issues are. I mean, you've told them, some of them, what their issues are, But uh, and, and your family's not perfect. And so what I want to encourage you today to do, or really for the next few weeks, is to be here every week of this series. There's just so much good stuff that we find in God's Word about how the family is supposed to function. So we got two more weeks. You're here today. Check. Good job, everybody. You got two more weeks after this um, to be here. And it's it's just all good stuff. Because God has a lot to say about family. In fact, God was the one who invented family. Like family was his idea. And guess what? It was a great idea. I mean, it's a great idea. The whole idea of family. See, God's plan for family... It centers around a special, unique relationship that we call marriage. Okay, and this is what we're gonna be talking about today. So, some of you guys right now, you're going, oh, you gotta be kidding me. My wife dragged me to church on Marriage Sunday. Oh, man. All right. Now, this is what we know not everybody in here is married. That's totally cool, that's totally fine. Um, I'm not saying everybody should run out and get married if you're not married. Don't do that, actually. that's probably just going to end bad for you and for that person. But uh, the Bible celebrates singleness. Just for all you single people, let me just throw this out there. The Bible celebrates singleness just as much as it celebrates marriage. Okay. In fact, what we find in the Bible is that God tells us that, hey, if you're single, he can actually use you more than if you're married because you're not tied down to a husband and wife where you have to... You have to um, work with those situations and kids and just all that stuff. And so singleness is good. Now, that doesn't mean that all you married people, like, you're finding like, oh, finally, I got my excuse to get out of this thing, you know, as a Christian, right? I go to church and stuff. And so the pastor, I hear the pastor saying that God wants me to be single and actually can do more for me being single. So, hey, that's my ticket, okay? No, if you're married, stay married. That's what God wants. We'll actually talk about that. The next week, no matter how noble you think you are. Okay, so God designed marriage, He created it, He came up with it, He planned it, and He gives us instructions on how to put marriage together. Now, last Christmas, my wife's parents, so my in laws, they uh, bought my boys for Christmas. They bought my boys one of those Jeeps that you know you ride around in the yard. You know what I'm talking about? They're electric. They're really loud, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, all right, there we go. Um, And so they got my boys one of those Jeeps, which is cool. I've always wanted one, all right? I I had one of my best friends growing up. He had a Jeep, and I was so jealous of him, and I couldn't wait to go to his house to drive his Jeep around, although we had to split up turns, and so I actually didn't get to drive it that much because the battery would go out. But I just love the Jeep, and I finally, as 33 years old, I finally get one of those Jeeps, and I'm so pumped. Okay. So last May, we we didn't, I didn't put it together or nothing. Uh, Last May, I decided, because it was winter, I decided, hey, time to put this thing together. Let the kids ride it. You know, it's the Jeep. I can't wait for this thing. So I take it, it's actually in a couple different boxes. I start opening things up. I'm putting things, you know, all over. I get all the parts and pieces out. And there's like a million of them, okay? Just parts and pieces of Jeep all over the place. And... I find the, the instruction manual, okay, so I get the instructions out, and it's like a book. It's like 30 pages, maybe more, and I, I'm a dude, right? We don't look at those, so what do we guys do? I'm not reading this. I hate reading. I'm throwing this out, and so that's exactly what I do. I throw that aside. I'm like, I don't need no instructions to put together this Jeep. You know, we, think about it. It's like I've seen them before, I've driven them before. I know how they look. I know how they're supposed to look anyway. I know I have all the pieces. I know I personally have the ability to put this thing together. I have everything that it takes to put this jeep together. and uh, And I don't necessarily know what all these different pieces do, but like I'm going to figure it out. Any of you guys like me? You guys ever we do that, right? You put go to IKEA, get a piece of furniture and figure it out today, okay? You guys? All right. but uh, but anyway after, like, two hours of a bunch of frustration and a bunch of pain, um, I finally get this Jeep, at least workable. And I get the—I call in Toby and Wes. I'm like, hey, guys, I want you guys to drive around in your Jeep. They get in the Jeep. They're loving it. It doesn't have any doors. It doesn't have, like— like, the lights aren't working, it doesn't have the roll bar or anything because I couldn't figure out how to get that stuff on. And so I was just like, whatever, it works. And so they get in that Jeep, they're riding around, and, and they're loving it. They're having such a good time. They do that for, for like a few weeks, and then it breaks. And I'm not saying it was my fault. I'm just saying that it stopped working. It may have been because it was missing like half of its pieces. But, uh, but think about this. That's how most men and women, we both do this, that's how most men and women treat marriage. When do we get married? We've seen it before. We know what marriage looks like. We know ideally what the ideal marriage is, right? Like, like we know this stuff. We know, um, like, like, you know, what marriage is and how that fits together. And, and we know we have all the pieces and parts and we have all this stuff. But we, but, well, you know what we don't do? We don't read the simple directions that God gives us to put marriage together so that marriage can look right. And guess what? For the good news for us dudes in here, unlike that book that was like 30 pages, God's instructions on marriage is like a matter of sentences. That sounds good to me, right? You know what I'm talking about? You don't have to do all this reading. God makes it super simple for us. He makes it easy. And so since, like logically, this is how I think. So since marriage was designed by God and God was the one who wrote the instructions, logically it makes sense to do marriage God's way, right? Can we all agree on that? Like this is foundational stuff, all right? Can we, can we all agree on that with logic at least? If God created marriage and he designed marriage and then God went ahead and he wrote the instruction manual on marriage, wouldn't it make sense to do marriage God's way? Yes. Okay. I hear the ladies. I don't hear the men. What's up with that, guys? Okay. Well, just wait because you're about to get slammed this morning. All right. Punched by the Holy Spirit in the soul. All right. Here we go. But uh, yeah. Right? Like God. God, We should do marriage God's way. Otherwise, it'll be like my kid's Jeep. It won't last long. It might be fun for a while. You might be able to drive it. You might love it for a while, but then it's going to break. And that's just how it works. Now, Let's start all the way back from the beginning of you and your spouse's relationship, right? Think about when you and your spouse started dating, right? Or maybe you're dating your future spouse right now. The interesting thing about dating is that the person that you're dating is so fake. You know what I'm talking about? It's true. You were fake too, right? Like you don't, you don't pour yourself out to that person. At least you shouldn't. Um, but, uh, but, you know, you, 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 you're on your best behavior during the date, right? Isn't that how we all are? Some of you guys right now, you're thinking, in, you're not saying it out loud, but just thinking in your minds. You're like, yeah, he is so different now. Like, I want that guy as my husband, not the guy that I got now. See, the thing is, we don't put ourselves out there necessarily. We don't reveal all the terrible things about us. Like, like we all do this. We're all jacked up, messed up, horrible, terrible people. And we don't like to show that to the person that we like or the person that we love at least at first. And so some of you single people you got to understand that man, they're so fake. They sound so cool. They sound so awesome, but but there's some things there. And as your relationship grows, what do we notice? We notice some little things. So we're like, "Oh, not perfect, but I still love that person." You know? Like that's how it goes. I remember when Kate and I when we first we I think this was our first date. Uh, We were out. We were at a restaurant at the Docks in Toledo, and it it was good. Had good conversation. We had some good talks, and then as we're leaving, we walk past the restrooms, and she says, "Hey, I'm gonna go to the restroom real quick," and I say, "Okay, yeah, I'll uh, I'll just wait here." I think I've said this before, and I remember as she turned and walked away, I could hear her under her breath. She didn't know I could hear this, I guess, but I could hear her say, "Well, I hope you wouldn't leave." You know, I'm just like, she's got attitude. I thought she was perfect, you know? Like we get to, once our relationship starts growing, we get to know each other a little bit better. But eventually, even when we know the things that are not perfect about that person, a lot of times, with our spouse at least, we eventually decide, hey, this is somebody who I could spend the rest of my life with. Like this is somebody who I love. That's what we do. We fall in love with that person. And then we have our wedding day. What are we doing on our wedding day? We are making a promise. We're not trying to strike a deal, okay? We are making a promise. It's not her standing up, we gotta understand this because sometimes we treat our marriages like we're trying to strike a deal constantly. But on our wedding day, we're not up there and she's not, you know, we're not saying, hey, um, you know, I promise to love you. You look so gorgeous today, honey. I promise to stay with you as long as you always look like this. Don't ever change you know, in the morning, all that stuff. Like, you I gotta always look like this. We're not doing that. And she's not standing there saying, hey, honey, I promise to stay with you as long as you always make at least $100,000 a year. If you make that, I'll always be with you, and we're good. Like, he counters with this, she counters with that. That's not what we do at our wedding. We're not striking a deal. What are we doing? We are making a promise, a commitment. We call it A vow. See, the thing about marriage is that every single one of us, we come into marriage with a box, in a sense, of hopes, dreams, and desires. Okay, we all do. We have this box. We all have this box. A lot of us, we have this... Th- these hopes, dreams, and desires in our life that we've been putting stuff in this box like our entire life. Some of you ladies, I mean, since you're a little girl, you're like, I want this, and I want this, and I want this. Same thing with us guys. Okay, we have this box in our life where it's just we have all these hopes, dreams, and desires, and uh, we have all kinds of stuff in here. I mean, for me personally, as I'm looking through my box, first of all, on Saturdays, every Saturday before, well, in the in the during football season in the fall, I mean, my from 10 a.m. when college game day starts to 12, you know, to 12 at night, I mean, it is, it's college football. Like, that's what I did. I watched football all day with my buddies. This is, this is what guys were supposed to do. This is me, okay? This is me. This is who I was meant to be. I don't change for no one, you know, right? That's what we, that's what we think. And so for me, this is like in there. This is my, this, this is my desire. This is my dream is to live my life. All throughout college football season, watching college football on Saturdays and some Friday nights and some Thursdays, and then you got matching on Tuesdays. All right, you got that too. So um, so I got that. Uh, some of us, we got like our sports car. We're like, yeah, someday I'm going to have a sweet car, and that's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm going to throw that in my, in my box. We have it in, my, in our box. Uh, for me, personally, you know, I got tools. I got I to gotta have a budget. Like, where's our tool budget? You know what I mean? Uh, by the way, these are tools that, uh, that are good. They're professional. They won't ever break. Um, this is something that I can pass down to generation to generation. This is a good investment. Really, that's my wife, please. I appreciate that. But uh, that's what I tell her anyway. I'm like, I'll never have to buy another one of these again. That's awesome. Okay. Um, For me also, for some reason, like I got a a tractor in my box. I've told you guys this before. I don't know why. I don't have any use for it. But a few years ago, we went out and I bought, I say we, but it was me. I bought a tractor (laughs) and I brought it home to Kate. To give to her she did not like it as much as I thought she would Um, for me also you know like for us guys a lot of times before we get married like you know what's our life well we got our we got our, our our lady like our girlfriend and we got the boys okay for me that's another thing where it's like well yeah you know I got the boys like you marry me it's almost like you're marrying the boys but not like that you know ever but uh but like like you know I gotta spend time like they gotta come over and they, gotta, they take up the living room, you know, when we're watching, whatever, we're watching football and stuff like that. And so you got the boys, they're, they're in the hopes, dreams, and desires. That's just how I want to live my life. And by the way, uh, that's, the boys aren't fitting in. Oh. All right, we'll just set that there. But, um, and by the way, let me explain this to you guys. What's in your box, you know, men, what's in your hopes, dreams, and desires, whatever you have in that box, what's in your wife's box it's different, okay? They're not the same. Maybe a couple things might be the same, sure. House, you know, sweet truck, right? Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, mostly they are completely different. Like there's things that I found out were in my wife's box of hopes, dreams, and desires that I wasn't ready for, you know, like, like this. You know, you, get, you got kids and stuff where you're like, oh, that's in there. This is too soon, probably, but, you know, and this is still in her box of hopes, dreams, and desires, and we got three. I think three's enough, but she's not here today, and so uh, she probably shouldn't be talking about that. But anyway, so, you know, it's just all this stuff. We have hopes, dreams, and desires, and you know what we do when we get married? We take our box of stuff with us, and we actually hand it to them, hand it to our spouse, both men and women, and to our spouse, it becomes... Yeah, I know a lot of you can't read this, but it becomes our expectations, okay? Our spouse looks at that and says, okay, you expect me to do this. See, we look at this from our perspective, it's our hopes, dreams, and desires. Hey, someday I want my future to look like this. From our spouse's perspective, it's, hey, you're telling me that I need to make this, whatever's in there, happen. We all do this, by the way. I mean, think about it. When we're single, what do we do? okay? when I was single, never once did I ever daydream about being the perfect person for somebody. I've never thought about that, never daydreamed about that, all right? You know what I daydreamed about? I daydreamed about finding the perfect person for me that would make my hopes, dreams, and desires turned expectations work or happen. See, some of us, we treat marriage like a contract. Hey, if you do this, Then I will do this. If you, then I, but then (laughs) that's not what you committed to on your wedding day, right? And that's not what you ever committed to. Like, in fact, you know what you said on your wedding day? You said things like, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, for rich or for poor. I mean, think about that. We said yes to marriage when for worse was a possibility, right? Right? Like, that's what, we, that's what we literally said. Like, on our wedding day, we said out loud, hey, this marriage thing, this relationship thing that we got going on, this could get bad. Like, this marriage could get ugly. This could be terrible. Things could get really, really, really hard, but, but I'm in. That's what we said out loud in front of a bunch of people. See, too many marriages have both Man and woman and, you know, husband and wife who are focused on their own hopes, dreams, and desires. This is the situation. Too many marriages, we are focused on our hopes, dreams, and desires, but then to our spouse, they become expectations. And you know what? Our expectations and our experience, what actually happens in reality, they don't match up. And they become two different things. You got expectations over here. You got experience over here. They are far from each other. And there ends up being a gap in between our expectations and our experience. And, uh, and, and that becomes a problem. In fact, we become two people running in opposite directions, and that gap in between our expectations and our experience, the gap just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You know why? Because each of us are just making our, you know, we're trying to make our expectations and our experience match up, and we're trying to do it only for ourselves, which makes the other, you know, which makes it for the other one. It just gets wider and wider and wider. We get so farther and farther and farther from what we expected, and then we become miserable. See, that's why some of you guys' marriages, that's why you guys are always keeping track of everything, you know what I'm talking about? Where it's like, hey, it's your turn, Uh uh-uh, I did this last time, you guys know what I'm talking about, all right? It's your turn to clean that up, or it's your turn to deal with that, I did it last time, you guys are always trying to keep score, and you guys, in reality, are doing your own thing, you guys are going in your opposite directions, really what you're doing is you're living separate lives together, okay, okay? And you're cool with that. I mean, it's it's not great, but but you're just kind of making it by and, and really all of you guys, all that you guys are, you guys are just roommates. You're not even good roommates to each other. Constantly arguing, complaining and nagging at each other. And then, you know what you do? You come out in public like to, like on, like right now, here to church and you act like everything's fine, but the reality is it's not. And you both know it. You both know there's an issue. See, the issue is you're not doing marriage God's way. And so today, real quick, we're going to go look through, we got a lot to pack in here, God's simple instructions on how to do marriage that he designed. This is what we see. We're going to, by the way, before we, oh, you guys pulled it up. All right. This, we're going to talk about wives first, and then we're going to talk about husbands. So wives, go, get, let's just get through this, and then we'll get to the husbands, and it's not all gravy for them. Okay. So, throw it out there. This is what the Bible tells us, all right? This isn't Zach making this up. This is what the Bible says. This is how God designed marriage. He says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, if you're a lady in here and you're reading this and you take offense, breathe, okay? Help me out here. Breathe a little bit. It's okay. Let's, we're going to talk about what exactly that means. I totally understand that some of you, you look at this word, especially the word submit, and that bothers you. You do not like that word. Other others of you, I totally understand, maybe more generally men, I would assume, are going, hey, I didn't know that was in the Bible. I, that's, found my new favorite verse. I'm going to have to sew that into a pillow or something, you know? I don't know. But... uh Some of you guys are going right now, you're like, hey, this is the reason why I left the church. That's the type of thing. This is why I left the church. That doesn't sound fair. That's not equality. Like, I don't understand because I thought God views us as equals. What happened to that idea? This is what we know. First of all, we know that God values both men and women. God made both men and women in the image of God. He values both men and women. We both have equal access to God. We are equally valued. We have equal worth in God's eyes. But God gives man and woman different roles within the family. Right? God's saying, hey, I value you equally. One is not better than the other, but I made men and women different, and I made men and women different on purpose, and I gave them different roles. I mean, think back to the creation story for me real quick. God creates Adam first, let's say. He creates Adam first, and he looks at Adam, and he really looks at all creation, and he says, man, that is good. In fact, I believe he says that is good seven different times. And and again, one of them is, is looking at him, wow, that is so, so good. I did a great job on that. But then after seven goods, we get a not good. The Bible says, it, God actually says, he says, hey, it is not good for man to be alone. He's like, that's not good. This situation, while, while, while Adam's good and how I created everything's good, this whole situation is not good. So what did God do, right? He went to Adam and he goes to Adam and says, hey, Adam, what exactly do you need? Let's design somebody who's perfectly, you know, for you. That's not what he does, right? He doesn't go to Adam. He doesn't ask for his opinions. He doesn't ask for his input. Doesn't ask for his, what he would do. Uh-uh. God looks at Adam and he says, You know what? I know exactly what you need. I know. You don't know. Adam didn't have a clue. And the Bible tells us that he created Adam, what the Bible calls a helper. Now, Something you need to know about that word helper, I think, in our culture, we view that. We view the word submit as super negative. That is messed up. We don't want to submit. We also view the word helper as some sort of subordinate as well. The thing you got to understand about the word helper is by no means a negative thing. It's not a negative thing. That's the world speaking into this. this. This is not accurate, okay? It's actually the same word that God uses to describe himself as he helps the Jewish people throughout the Old Testament. It's the same Hebrew word, okay? So it's not a lesser thing, and it's not a negative thing. But what it does in this context is that it does imply a leadership responsibility. I mean, we see this just a little bit after. Think about Adam and Eve, right? They both sin. Eve sins first, then she, then she, um, then Adam sins. And what does God do? He comes down and he, what, what's he not do? He doesn't walk around and say, hey, Eve, where are you? I'd like to talk to you for a second. He doesn't say, hey, Eve, you're the one who sinned first, so you're the one who I'm going to talk to first. This is not what God does. He comes down and he says, Adam, where are you? This is your responsibility. You are supposed to be the leader. You're the one who failed at your job. He goes and he calls for Adam, even though Eve was the one who messed up first. See, men are supposed to step up and lead within the family. It's something we've seen ever since creation. By the way, this does not say, and I need to make sure everybody understands, this does not say that women are to submit to men. That's not what it says. It doesn't say that women are to submit to men. Okay, that's not right. That's that's completely wrong. All right, this says within the marriage situation, that means, by the way, if you have a boyfriend, ladies, that does not mean that you are to submit to your boyfriend. You're not married yet. This is only within the context of the marriage relationship. So ladies, go run your company. Go be the boss. Go become president of the United States. I'm all for you. Do whatever you need to do. All right, this is only for marriage. And the Bible says that God has created us different. And if you don't understand that now, go study some diagrams. You'll understand there's some differences going on. But, uh, but uh, one, one example is, of differences is, is, and this is not a negative thing. This is just how God did it, all right? Generally, I get there's a few exceptions here and there, but generally, uh, God made men physically stronger, okay? That's not bad. That's not good. That's just, that's just how it is. That's why sometimes when Kate, she'll come up to me with a jar that she can't open, and she'll be like, hey, Zach, can you open up this jar? You guys know what I'm talking about? And as what do we do as men? We go, <laughs> you can't get that, can you? All right, you know. Walk up to the table. I'm like, "Pop, there you go, honey. What else you need? Anything you need fixed? You know, like that. Like that's you know, it feels good. It's like, yeah, God made us different, okay, and that's and that's okay. And so, um, that's one of the ways that we that we are different. And, but here's the deal, ladies. He tells wives, not women. He tells wives to submit. What's that mean? What's that look like? Maybe the most down-to-earth way that I can try to explain that to you is that God's saying, hey, you need to make his deal bigger than your deal. Or you need to make, you know, you you need to make, or basically your deal is more important than my deal. Like that's your attitude. Okay? Did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's your attitude is, hey, you, you come kind of, you voluntarily come under your husband and say, hey, your deal is bigger than my deal. That's what submit looks like. And there's a humble aspect to that. It's, a, it's, it's huge. You know, it's a huge humble aspect here. I mean, God's our example. He's our perfect example. What did God do? Well, he made our deal a bigger deal than his deal. What did he do? He came off He stepped off the throne in heaven. He came down to earth, was born in the dirt in a barn, lived a perfect life, telling people about himself so that we could actually know our creator, which is awesome, and then we put him to death. And on that cross, you know what he did? He dealt with our sin problem, something that we couldn't deal with. I mean, he made our deal a bigger deal than his deal. And I mean, he humbled himself. That's what what wives are called, To do here in in this particular spot, I mean, it doesn't mean that women are second place or that they're all that they're to sit back and be silent and not speak and not give their opinion or not check out or they should check out of their marriage or check out of their family. No, that's not what he's saying. We see the perfect example of the perfect wife in Proverbs thirty one, and what's she doing? I mean, she's busy. She's buying and selling real estate. She's starting small businesses. She's selling stuff. She's doing all this stuff. I mean, she is getting stuff done. Wives, you need to choose to allow your husband to lead, and then when he leads, and he's not going to lead perfectly, so let's just get that out of our expectations. I mean, he's just not. He's going to mess up. Um, But when he leads, follow him. might not not be the place you want to go. I totally understand, but follow him. And that's super hard, and that's against our natural desires. Totally understand that. But it won't be easy for him to lead if he has to constantly compete for leadership. In fact, most guys I know, they just give up. Throw in the towel, eh, I'm not dealing with this. And they check out of the relationship. That's just what happens, right? It's not good either, but that's, that's the reality of it. And actually, I would say that no man can lead a wife who doesn't want to be led. I don't think you could do it. So here, God's telling us this in the next verse. He says, because, here's the reason. So wives submit... To your husbands, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, he is the Savior of the body. So, so here Paul's actually the one writing this, and he's trying to give us an example. He's trying to he's saying, Hey, you know how Christ is the head of the church? Actually, the husband is the head of the wife. Next verse, he says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. I didn't put that in there. I didn't say let's just throw this word in. This is literally what God says He says, in everything, in all aspects of marriage, that includes not sinning, okay, that's what we are to submit, that's what women are just wives are to submit to their husbands for. So, I've talked to plenty of ladies throughout the years, and, you know, what they'll say is something like, hey, Pastor Zach, you know, I need my husband to act like the leader at home. Okay, I need my husband to act like the spiritual leader. And I just want to point out, it doesn't say husbands should act like the leader. It's not not what it says that. It says husbands are. It says a husband is the head. He is. He might be a good one. He might be a bad one. But that's what he is. He is a leader, and that's how God created him. And most men that I know, they're going to lead at something. They're going to lead us something. Where? Well, that really depends because he's going to lead where he feels most confident to lead. I mean, ladies, have you ever wondered why your husband is such a strong leader at work but not at home? You ever wondered Why? Let me just kind of explain what happens to your husband at work. He gets to work, right? They give him a desk. They give him a title. They show him respect. Uh, when your husband tells them to do, tells his, you know, his people to do stuff, you know what they do? They actually do it. And then at the end of the year, after he's led all year, his bosses come up to him and say, hey, you've done such a great job. We are going to give you money. We're going to give you a raise for doing such a good job. And so here's some money for being a leader. That's what he gets at work. And then every night he comes home and sometimes, you know, he, sometimes through a text or a call or whatever, he's told that he's already too late and that he's not good enough and that he's not parenting right and that he's not a good leader and that he, he's, he has no respect, not, not from his wife, not from his kids at home. And then once in a while he'll try to lead and he'll ask people to do things. And you know what? And everybody just rolls their eyes and says, yeah, right, we're not doing that. You know, his kids and and his wife. And, and then the wife tells him about how he's not fulfilling her, you know, hopes, dreams, and desires, all this stuff that's in her box I mean, no wonder. He's going to lead where he feels most confident to lead. Now, wives, you need to make him feel like a man in all the different areas in the relationship, in the marriage, as a leader. At work, with his career, as a parent, as a dad, in the bedroom. Like it all, it's all in there, okay? Really, what you need to do is make him think that you think that he can lead, okay? At least make him think that you actually think that he can lead. (laughs) That he has what it takes to lead his family. Even though we all, all of us guys would admit, maybe we don't like to admit, but we totally understand you could probably do a better job. Okay, we get that. We understand that. Actually, the Bible tells us that in the end, there's two different kinds of wives. Uh, We see this in Proverbs. We talked about one last week. Uh, You got the nagging wife, which the Bible talks about. And at one other place, the Bible says that that a nagging wife is like rot in his bones. That's not good. All right? I don't want rot in my bones. He says, uh, an excellent wife, the Bible describes, as a crown to his head. So just, let me just... I'm going to leave you guys with this, wives, and then we're going to get to the husbands and slam them, and I am killing on time, okay? But, uh, but wives, let me just throw this. Either you are a crown or, a, a, or cancer to your husband, and you get to pick. Either you are a crown or cancer, the Bible says. Now, men, um, leading is probably not, the idea of leading probably isn't what you think, right? It is doesn't mean that you get to sit on the couch all day and hang out and, and your wife just serves you and fans you and gives you burgers and fries. Like, that's not, that's not what it means, okay? It doesn't mean you get to dominate or demean your wife whenever you feel like. God has a much different opinion of what leading in the home actually looks like. And God tells us this. Next verse. He says, husbands, your turn. Love your wives. Do you hear what it said? Love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. What? Love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So not only does he tell us to love our wives, most of us guys are like, huh? Oh, what's, you know, what's that look like? You know, whatever. He knows we're too dumb to understand, so he gives us an example saying, hey, the best example I got is to, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So what's that mean? How are we to lead in our homes, men? That means we are to sacrifice yourself for your wife and for your children. He says, give yourself up. He says, that's how we are to lead. That's how we are to love. We are to give ourselves. See, I think a lot of us guys in here, we all say the same thing. We would say, hey, I, uh, yeah, I'd die for my wife. I love my wife. I'm all about my wife. I'd die for her. But this is what we got to understand. My bet, I don't know your wife, okay, but my bet is that your wife would rather you live for, for her every day rather than die for her one day. Okay? Does that make sense? My guess is that your wife would say, hey, don't take the bullet. I would just rather you live for me every day rather than die for me one day. Now, guys, before we were married, we were complete experts on ourselves. We get that? We're still experts on ourselves. We know what, uh, you know, we know what we like, what we didn't like, what, you know, how to take care of ourselves generally. You know, I'm not saying we're the most healthy, but, uh, but we, we kept ourselves alive. Uh, we know what we wanted. We know what we didn't want. We were literally experts on our box. We knew everything that was in our box. We knew how everything got in our box. We knew how we were going to get the things or most of the things from our box. So we knew all, the, you know, all this stuff we knew about our box. But when you get married... Guess what, guys? You have to change. Stakes. But you got to change. All right? That's not how we can live our life anymore. Actually, Peter says, in 1 Peter, he says, you need to become a student of your wife. And that takes work, and that takes sacrifice. Basically, what Peter's saying is you need to know what's in her box. Okay? You need to know what's in there. You know why it's in there. You need to know how it got in there. You need to know all this stuff. You need to be an expert on your wife. The Bible's not saying you need to be expert on women. I think that'd be impossible, okay? It gives me a headache, just thinking about it. But you are to be an expert on one woman, your wife. You know everything about her. You know what makes her tick. You know what she needs, what she wants, what she likes, what she hates, what she loves. You need to know what she enjoys, what she dreads, what she, you need to know what's in her box what her hopes, dreams and desires are. And sometimes, let me just fair warning, it will make no sense to you. I totally get it. You're not going to understand why, like, well, like why. I remember one of the first uh, this is one of the first weeks after we, Kate and I after we got married, I came home from work, you know and I'm all like, I'm like, "Hey, you know, I'm home." And I find her crying on our couch in our living room. And I'll be honest, I'm not like a super gentle person. I know I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to be, and I'm working on it, okay? But, uh, but like it's not my natural thing is like emotions. Like I just, I, I think logically, like we logically should, right? Anyway, so I, I go up to her and I'm like, oh man, here we go, husband time. I got to be a husband. Okay, what do I do? You know, uh, she's crying, that makes me feel bad. And so I, I go up to her and I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, nothing. And I'm like... Lie number one. Okay. So I'm like, all right, um, did uh, did something happen? Like, did somebody die or something? And she was like, no. I'm like, okay, that's good, that's good. Uh, did someone do something to you? And she's like, I'm, I'm just going through the boxes, you know, that's all I got, Logic. Thinker, thinker. And I'm like, so someone to say something to? You? Does someone do something to? You? What's going on? And she's like, no. And then at the end of the list, you know, I'm like, are you hurt? What happened? Did you stub your toe? Did you do something? And she was like, no. And I'm like, okay. So I'm going through my list. I'm checking off all these boxes. And at the end of my list, at the very end, at the bottom of my list is, did I do something? <laughs> you know? And she's like, no. And I'm like, whew. All right. And so I'm just like, then why are you crying? And she turned to me and she said, you know what, Zach, sometimes a girl just has to cry. And I'm like, that sounds like a horrible way to live. <laughs> like, wh- I don't understand, like, logical? Like, why would you want to live sad? You know, I don't know. And I've actually never caught her doing that again. Maybe she just hides it. I don't know. But... Um, but I, I just, you know, I'm just like that makes zero sense to me. Like I don't think I can make myself cry. Anyway, but uh, but guys, you're not gonna understand everything. I still don't understand. That. I still question things about that. Like she was, you know, whatever. But uh, you're not gonna understand everything. It's complicated. Your wife is a complicated person. But we've learned some complicated stuff, right? Like think about men. Some of you guys, you know how to take apart and put an engine back together. That's complicated. You know how to hunt, some of you guys. Some of you guys, you know how to do your job. You know how to buy and sell stocks. Some of you guys, you know, you know how to fix the boat. Some of you guys, we've got people in our church who fly planes. All right, that's some complicated stuff. And what I've learned is that it's easy to learn when you're into it. It's easy to learn when you're actually interested in it. Be interested in your wife. Study her. Not in a creepy way. Okay, I'm not saying you, drive around, following her around town. Although there has been times where I have seen Kate driving, like we pass each other in town. I'm like, where is she going? What the? You know? But anyway, you're supposed to study her so that you can take care of her better than yourself. Not that she needs you to take care of her, but that God says you are to care for her better than you care for yourself. A few verses later, God says, in the same way. Husbands, you are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife actually loves himself is what he's using logic here. saying, for no one has ever hates his own flesh but provides and cares for it. You feed yourself. Guys, you make sure you get enough food just as Christ does for the church. And so as you love yourself, you need to love your wife. Now, this is one of the differences between husbands and wives, men and women, really. Um, I don't know very many women who, like, love, love, love their bodies. Like, there's always kind of picking you, picking their bodies apart, which isn't even good because God doesn't care about anything like that. But men are different. We generally like our bodies. I don't mind. You know, I'm just like, hey, it's, it's all right. Like sometimes we'll get out of the shower and we'll kind of get a glimpse of ourselves in the, in the, in the mirror. And, uh, and what do we do? We flex like we might be old, fat, and bald, but we're going, still got it. <laughs> That's what we do. All right? It's different than women. What Paul's saying here is he's saying, hey, men, you love your bodies. You need to love your wife as much as you love yourself. See, Some of you guys, you need to learn to love your wife, not just what you hope your wife becomes someday. Okay? You don't love who your wife can be. Love who your wife is. Actually, the Bible tells us in Peter. Peter tells us this. He says, hey, by the way, men, the way that you treat your wives, guess what? That has an impact on your prayer life, meaning God looks at the way you treat your wife and then decides if he wants to listen to what you have to say to him in prayer. That's a big deal. Like, this is important to God. So you need to provide for her because she is valuable. You need to be the biggest fan that your wife has. And so here, Paul, who's writing this, to sum it all up, he's like, okay, if you don't get all this, let me sum this up real quick. He says, to sum up, each of one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. He's basically saying, hey, you want to eliminate the gap between your experience and your expectations? You want to eliminate the gap that causes so much issues? The answer is, Women, you need to allow your husband to lead your home and you need to, to do it with respect. Like, you need to have respect for your man. Men, you need to lead, like, get up, get off your butt, and lead for once in a self sacrificial, loving way. Where you put your wife's needs, you put your wife's box in front of your box. You put your wife's hopes, dreams, and desires. In front of yours. Now, if you want to do anything that maybe God has been doing within the heart of your spouse this morning, get in the car after church, pull on out of here, and uh, say something like, I hope you heard what Pastor Zach said. (laughs) Yeah, like that would work, okay? You get what I'm saying? Like, I don't know why we do stuff like that. Let me just say, you make a terrible Holy Spirit, okay? (laughs) You're not good at it, okay? Men, husbands, You are responsible for the well-being of your family, especially the spiritual well-being in your family. Like that's on you, meaning you set the tone for your home. Don't make her drag you to church. Don't make her push you to parent your children. Don't make her push you to get that job. Don't make her push you to, uh, to take care of the financial situation that you're in. It's on you. And so what I would encourage you guys to do today, you know, we got Grace Girls Challenge tonight, so let's say this week, is to get out with your spouse and go on a date. Right? Like, go do something together. Get off your phone, get off your computer, men get out of the shop, okay, and go hang out with each other and go do something fun. It really astonishes me how naturally our lives get so boring. You know, like we just become boring people. We're just like, we do the same thing every day. We go to work, we come home, and we watch TV, and then we go to bed. Like, this, this is just like what we do. Stop being so boring, people. You know, in your marriages, stop making your marriage so boring. Go do something together. Spend not just time with each other, but spend quality time, good time with each other. And follow God's instructions. Husbands, love your wives. As Jesus loved the church, let go of your hopes, dreams, and desires. Everything that's in there, let go of that and you focus on her box. Wives, respect your husbands. Submit to him. Make his deal a bigger deal than your deal. Let go of your hopes, dreams, and desires and follow his lead when he leads. He's not always going to leave perfectly. See, a great... Marriage only works when both play their part. It's the only reason. It's the only way you're gonna have get a good marriage, is when both people play their part. That's how God designed it. It's what the instruction manual says. Right, we'll skip the last song. Let's let's pray. God, we uh, we thank you for these words, and we thank you for. I mean, we thank you for the idea of marriage and really the idea of family. That is your thing. You came up with that. And it's a great idea. And God, we ask for those of us who are married and for those of us who will be married someday, maybe in the future, Lord, we ask for us to do marriage your way. It's not easy. It's kind of completely against our our natural way of thinking and what we want naturally because naturally we're selfish people, messed up people. God, help us to do marriage your way. Help us as husbands to love our wives the way that you've called us to. And as wives, we ask that you'd help submit to our husbands, which is tough. Show him respect. God, we thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.